Welcome to this episode of the Connecting Faith to Life podcast. I'm Trey Rhodes, the Connections Pastor at Northwood Baptist Church here in North Charleston, South Carolina. In just a few moments, our lead pastor, Dr. Tommy Metter, will be joining the conversation as well. In our crazy and chaotic world, our hope is that these few minutes will help you stop and reflect on your relationship with Jesus as you learn to connect Christ-centered faith to your everyday life. Well, it might be hard to believe, but we are actually in episode 60 of the Connecting Faith to Life podcast. So uh, a lot of you have been listening over the whole time, and we're so appreciative. But uh, don't forget to invite your friends and your family, you know, Facebook, Twitter, text, whatever it takes to get them uh, listening in to Connecting Faith to Life. We look forward to having our new people join us very quickly. Uh, but today we're continuing to ask the questions, what about this church during covid and uh, as we know, back in March, a lot changed. And, uh, you know, when we talk about church, sometimes we don't really put it all together. Does church just mean coming back to church or is there more to it? Um, so maybe we can just be online now. Uh, all kinds of things going on like that. But in the last few weeks, Pastor, we've talked about worship and community, participating even about unity. But really, one of the most important things we do as a church is become a disciple of Jesus Christ. So, you know, in this time of COVID, how important is it to be a disciple? Yeah, so you think about it, Trey, here at Northwood and any church for that matter that's a Bible-believing church, we believe that we exist to make disciples. That's the Great Commission, mm-hmm. Matthew, chapter, yeah. Matthew chapter 28. We've talked about that before, but discipleship is central to the life of the local church. And so just because we've had a pandemic— that does not mean we take a break from the calling that Jesus has in our lives. So so just because we're not in church, I guess, that doesn't mean that somehow we just put everything on hold until we kind of figure a way to get back to church. Right. The mission keeps going forward. Whatever that looks like, and it does look different for some churches right now. Mm-hmm. Here at Northwood, we've tried to pick up where we've left off. But, yes. I mean, it, just because there's a pandemic, that does not mean we put things on hold. We continue in the work and the mission that Jesus gave us. So that's what we're talking about today, how Amen. to you know be a better disciple in this era, era of COVID-19. So, Trey, you know that this week's been a pretty big week for me already. Yeah, pretty big. I had a birthday yesterday. That was amazing. It was amazing. It happened. It just happened, didn't it? You know, I woke up one day and I was 41. Next day I was 42. <laughs> oh, I thought you were going to say the third anniversary of 39th Yeah, I know, right? I, and you know what's really interesting to me is um, I'm starting to feel like I'm 42. <laughs> what do you mean by that, man? I mean, you know, I just, I, I can feel it. I feel like I'm getting older and all the different things that happen when you get older. I mean, mm. so for me, I've always been the young pastor. Uh-huh. Because I started pastoring when I was 24 years old. That, that was way too young to be a pastor. I was 24 year old when I when I took my first pastorate, and so I was always and I and I I mean God's blessed me with good genetics. I've always kind of looked young as well, you know, this baby face and all that kind of <laughs> stuff. So 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 I've always been the young pastor. I'm not the young pastor anymore. No, you're not. But that, I'm, I'm the middle aged pastor. See, you, yeah, but that gives you such spiritual maturity and. People look to you for well, leadership. I don't, I don't know about that. I would like to think that's true. But, man, I'm feeling like the middle-aged pastor. And so for me, I mean, it's been really interesting. And I don't know, Trey, I mean, you're, you're a lot older than I yeah, am. Yeah, I am. And so I don't know what the process has been like for you over the years. But was there, was there a particular year for you that you felt like, man, you were transitioning from being a young man to an old man? When did you start feel like you were an old man? Uh, July 5th, <laughs> 2020. 
That's when you start feeling like yeah, an old man. Yeah, when that 60 hit, man. 60. That was, that was a rough one. That was the rough one, huh? Yeah, that was it. I, I didn't feel it until then. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, yeah. Yeah, but seriously, I mean, I, I, I can feel the transition from youthfulness mm-hmm. to whatever I am now, and it's interesting. Because now, you know, I teach at Charleston Southern, mm-hmm. I teach college, and I have students in my class that are, they weren't even born, you know, when I was their age. Wow, that's amazing that's to wild. think about, isn't it? That's wild. And I've got guys that, that I'm working with, teaching them how to preach. They're a couple years from being in their first pastorate mm-hmm. at 24, 25 years old, and that's just wild to think about. Mm. So so this whole process of aging is really interesting. And and while I do feel older, and I know that we all feel older every mm. year that goes by, it's interesting to see what changes in perspective as you get older, isn't it? Yeah, that, that happens a lot. You think about it. I mean, early 20s, they're not the same as my early 40s. Oh, of course not. And so, so I think about things differently. I view things differently. Some of the things that were really important to me in my early 20s. Not that way anymore. Ain't yeah, they're just that not there. important. Mm-hmm. You know, I, and it might be true for you too, Trey. When I was in my early 20s, especially starting out in ministry, what I was really concerned about is what people thought about me. Oh, yeah. Big time. You know? If I saw somebody whispering in the corner, I knew it was they about They were talking me. about me. What are they saying about me? What are they saying about the pastor, right? Exactly. But now in my 40s, I mean, I still care about what people think about me. But not like I did when I was in my early twenties. Mm. You know, it was a big deal. Somebody talking bad about me? Join the club. You know, I mean, it's just it, get in it just line. right. Get in line. It just doesn't phase me like it did in my early twenties. Yeah. And even in in my growth in my walk with the Lord, things have changed. Mm-hmm. I feel like that I'm more mature in my walk I with the Lord. Absolutely. Are, yeah. uh, but but just you know, some things that I held really dear in my twenties and my thoughts about you know the universe and God's design and all some of those things have have changed just a little bit. I mean, I haven't changed in my core convictions, obviously, about what I believe about the truth and Scripture mm-hmm. and the death and resurrection of Jesus. But you know, I've I've chilled out in some areas. I've gotten you know more um, passionate in some other areas. It's just amazing how you. As you age, things really do change. I've, I feel like as I've aged, I've gotten more compassionate. That's a good thing. And uh, yeah, it is good. And 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 I used to be very compassionate about spiritual issues, and I still am. But you know, when I see people hurting, it hurts yeah, me. Yeah, yeah. And some of it's because of what I've been through. But yeah. still, that aging process, you begin to feel more for people. Yeah, more empathy, when they're hurting, more, yeah, more sympathy, a lot more, more empathy. compassion. Yeah. It, it, yeah, you really do. And so, so here's the deal, Trey. You and I know this. You can't stop growing. Mm-mm. Ever. I mean, I'm five foot six on a good day. I've stopped growing <laughs> physically, my height. I wish I could get a little taller, but I'm not going to get any taller. But, yeah. you know, other ways I can't stop growing. I can't stop the process of aging. It's going to happen. I, I can't really stop, you know, the process of my, my brain growing in the sense of how my thoughts are mm-hmm. changing and how my perspective on life is changing. You can't stop the growing or aging process. Oh, yeah. You're right. And you think about it, even in the Christian faith— you can't stop the growing process either. And here's what I mean by that. Sure. You're always growing. You're either growing closer to God or you're growing further away from God. Mm. You're, you're going one direction or the other. So it's very difficult to say, well, I'm just going to remain steady. You can't remain. You can't remain steady, kind of like I'm going to plant my feet here and I'm not going either way now. You're either going in maturity mm-hmm. or growing in immaturity. Right? Yeah, I would agree. Because you and I have seen it over the course of years in ministry. We, we've seen people who, you know, were growing in their faith, and all of a sudden something happened, and they made a decision, whether it was a conscious decision or an unconscious decision, 
to stop being devoted to their walk with the Lord, and they did. They started growing in another direction. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like they just stopped and stayed in the same place. They started growing in another direction, growing further away, or maybe the better word is drifting mm-hmm. away from the God who loves them. Mm-hmm. You're always growing. Oh, I agree. And even in your walk with the Lord, you're either growing closer to God or you're growing further away from Him as you choose on a daily mm-hmm. basis not to spend time in His Word, for example, or yeah. to pray or to be around the people of God. You're, you're growing in one direction or the other. And so here we are in this uh, COVID pandemic, and I wonder for many of us what this pandemic has done for our spiritual growth. Because here's reality. I mean, it's been a trial. It's been a struggle. The Bible is very clear that in our trials and struggles, God does use these things to grow us in Christ's likeness if we are open to the Spirit's work. So I wonder if this pandemic has caused some of us to grow in faith and for others of us, if it's caused us to drift in our faith. I think that word is good, drift, Mm. because I I don't think it's a conscious decision where we say, okay, I'm going to start going backwards. No. It's like you're drifting and those of us that have been in the ocean long enough know drifting is a bad thing. It's a bad thing. Yeah. But either way, growing in Christ or drifting away from Christ, you know what it takes? It takes time. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we live in a culture where we want to see instant results. We want our faith to be microwave, yeah, we for do. example. We, we want to say, okay, I'm a Christian, so I should be a mature Christian tomorrow. Mm. But it doesn't happen that way. Never. Here I am, you know, 42 years old, and... I've grown a lot, but I got a lot more growing to do. It's a lifelong process. Growing in Christ takes time. And if you think about it, drifting away from Christ takes some time too. Mm. You you don't wake up one day and say, okay, I'm going to drift as far away as I can. (laughs) Right? I think if we did that, it would be like a caution sign. It would be. Oftentimes it's a slow drift, isn't it? Mm -hmm. That you make those daily decisions on a consistent basis to ignore God's work in your life, and before you know it, you are far, far away from God. Mm -hmm. So it takes time to to grow in Christ or to grow away from Christ. Either way, it takes some time. And so so for us as Christians, just thinking about this process of discipleship, there's a a writer, you know who he is, Trey, Eugene Peterson. Yes, of course. um, he translated the, the Bible into what we, it's the message translation. Many of our listeners are probably familiar with the message mm-hmm. translation, but he wrote a book, a great book that I've just been reading through again recently called um, um, A Long Obedience in the Same Direction. Wow, I and like that's that. And what, that's what the Christian faith is. That's what being a disciple is. It's a long obedience in the same direction. It's daily choosing to make choices that are consistent with the will of God over and over and over again. And as you do that over time, you see a lot of growth mm-hmm. in your walk with the Lord. And what we need in our churches, especially in this era of pandemic, is we need people who are committed to a long, long obedience, obedience in the same direction. Mm-hmm. That's what we're looking for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's what we're going to talk about today. And, and if you think about it, if you think about this long obedience in the same direction, that's what the disciples of Jesus were committed to, wasn't it? I don't know that they knew it. but They yeah. didn't know it. Yeah, But that's what they're committed to because they gave three years of their lives yeah. to Jesus. And then after the ascension of Jesus, after his death and resurrection and ascension, as they were left on this earth to do his mission, they gave the rest of their lives wow. to his mission. It's always fascinating me to, to think about just the, the process in first century Israel and what took place um, in that, that very spiritual place. Mm-hmm. 
you know this, Trey, that, that those Jewish people, they were very religious. Oh, very. And, and, and the way a Jewish religious. person would look at the faith it, 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 is that, man, it was a, it was a lifelong commitment mm-hmm. to learn. Mm-hmm. So, so their educational system, Trey, was different than our educational system. When, when you and I send our kids to school, uh, I send my six-year-old to first grade. I'm expecting him to learn how to read, to learn how to do math, to learn, you know, those kinds of things. When a Jewish family sent their children to school, they sent their school, child to the synagogue. Mm-hmm. Because school in ancient Israel, it was religious training. And they were learning how to read. They were learning how to read specifically so they could read the Torah, mm-hmm. so they could read the Old Testament. And so, so what would happen is that, that when a child was five or six years old, he would go to the synagogue and he would learn under a rabbi. Mm-hmm. And he would learn under that rabbi. And, and literally, during their time of what we would call elementary school, over the three or four or five years, that child would memorize most of the Old Testament. Gracious Can you think goodness. about that? I mean, that's, that's amazing. That was the educational system. They would learn verbatim what the Old Testament, they literally hid the word of God in their hearts. Wow. A commitment to memorize scripture. And so that would happen for for, for a Jewish young boy, for a Jewish young girl. They would go to the synagogue. They would be under um, a a rabbi and they would learn the scripture. They would memorize the scripture. And then by the time they got 10 or 12 years old, that would start the second phase of their education. And so so it would would continue in this way. And and, and listen, every, every stage of their education got more selective. So if you start out in elementary school, it did not necessarily mean you would get to be in secondary school. That makes sense? Yeah, so it wasn't second, a given. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So secondary school, the students in secondary school were those who showed promise mm-hmm. in their understanding of the Torah, in their ability to learn the scripture. And so in secondary school, what would happen is those students who showed some promise, uh, they would continue in their study of the scripture, but they would also learn a trade. So Jesus did this. Jesus grew in wisdom and stature. That's what we read in the Gospels, right, in, in, in Luke chapter 2. So he, he would have gone uh, to the synagogue, and he would have sat under a rabbi, and he would have learned. And then he would have gone to secondary school. And in secondary school, he would have learned a trade. And you know what Jesus' trade was. He, he was like his father. He was a carpenter. Was a carpenter. And then there was a third stage of schooling. Because there would be some students that would rise to the top, the Mm -hmm. cream of the crop, if you will, and they would have the opportunity to study under a rabbi in a very intimate setting. So, So you think about it. You, you come through school and, and you're excelling and, and you have the opportunity to actually be a disciple of a rabbi. And, and here's what would happen for someone who was very gifted in their understanding of the Torah. Uh, they, they would seek out that rabbi and they would say, hey, can I please, can I please spend the next few years of my life studying under you? Mm. And what would happen is that that person who the rabbi said, yes, you can study under me. He would enter into a relationship with that rabbi where he would literally follow that rabbi wherever he went. Wow. He would... Um, live with that rabbi. He would study with that rabbi. He would eat with that rabbi. Wherever that rabbi was, that student would be there. And after a period of time, three or four years, once that student was about 30 years old, sounds kind of like Jesus, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. Once that student was about 30 years old, he would be entrusted with the authority to be a rabbi himself and then to go teach himself and train up others and then someday have some that would follow after him and call him uh, their rabbi. Pretty interesting. But, but here's the deal. Here's the deal. If you were to get all the way through 
the system mm. in Israel and become a rabbi, do you know what it took? Time? It took time and devotion. Oh, devotion. Yeah. It took time and devotion. Mm. So there in ancient Israel, there was a rabbi named Jesus. There weren't disciples coming to seek him out and say, hey, can we sit under you? Yeah. He went out seeking them. Yeah. He sought out Simon Peter. He sought out Thomas. He sought out Matthew. He sought out Andrew. Come and follow me. Mm -hmm. He took them on as his students. And for three years, they sat under his feet and learned. But he was a different kind of rabbi, wasn't he? Oh, very Because Jesus said, hey, if you're going to follow me, take up your cross. Mm. Deny yourself. If you're going to follow me, you must hate your mother, your father, your brothers and sisters. If you're going to follow me, be ready to die for me. He was a different kind of rabbi because his message was radical, right? That, that to follow me is a life of self-denial for something greater, mm. for a, a kingdom that you cannot see, a, the kingdom of heaven. And, and so you think about this, these, these 12 men, and we know that, that Judas obviously uh, didn't end up so well for him, no, but these didn't. 12 men who followed Jesus, they were devoted to their growth. It took time and it took devotion. Mm-hmm. It took time and it took devotion. If you think about it, now for us being disciples, because that's what we believe we are. Mm-hmm. We're disciples of a rabbi. Now, the rabbi we serve is not the same as every other rabbi in ancient Israel. The rabbi we serve is Jesus who lived and died and rose again. But we are disciples of a rabbi. And so if we're saying that we're disciples, now watch this, Trey. What that means is it's not a hobby. Amen. Being a disciple of Jesus is not an extracurricular activity. Mm. Being a disciple of Jesus, if, if you look at the, old, or the New Testament and how, how men were disciples of rabbis in the Old Testament, it wasn't a hobby. It wasn't an extracurricular activity. It was a way of life mm-hmm. with a goal. And the goal was, I want to become like my rabbi so I can turn around and help others learn as well. That's what it and, was. And, that's, and so that's what a disciple is. That's what a disciple that's, is. That's where a we're disciple. Going with this. Now, we don't become rabbis, and we certainly don't become, you know, perfect like Jesus does, and or like Jesus is in this life. But, 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 but we do put ourselves under the feet of our rabbi and learn from him, so we can help others grow in an understanding of who Jesus is and what he's done for them. Amen. As a disciple, a disciple is a learner, and not just showing up on Sunday morning and taking some notes during a message, but submitting your life to the rabbi, learning everything you can about him and his teachings so you can follow and then replicate Mm -hmm. in the life of somebody else what's been done for you. Well, if that's the case, then I think, uh, why don't we break this down a little bit and talk about, when we talk about discipleship, let's talk about three areas where we need to grow as a disciple. Okay, so we're going to grow as learners, as disciples. There are three specific areas, we're going to do this quick, three specific areas that we need to grow. First one is grow in knowledge. Makes sense. You think yeah. about the, the Old Testament, not the Old Testament, the, the first century uh, system of learning. It was a knowledge. They learned scripture. They sat in a classroom as a young child, and they learned the scripture. Then they would go on to secondary school and maybe have the opportunity someday to actually sit under the feet of a rabbi as a personal disciple, and they would learn knowledge. Part yeah. of being a follower of Jesus is gaining some knowledge, isn't it? Yeah. In fact, in Ephesians chapter 1, the, the beautiful letter, Paul opens up the letter and says, hey, I want you to understand the Trinity. I want you to understand how the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit have been at work to bring you into a relationship with the God of all creation. And then he goes on and he, he prays in, in verses 15 through 23. I'm going to paraphrase this. He prays in verses 15 through 23. I want you to grow in wisdom 
and in the knowledge right. of revelation. And so when Paul wrote to the church at Ephesus, he was saying, listen, there's knowledge you need to have. You mm-hmm. need to grow in your knowledge of who God is. You need to grow in your knowledge of the Father and the Son and the Spirit and how the Father and the Son and the Spirit are at work to bring you into a relationship. You've got to know these facts. You've got to know how salvation works. Mm-hmm. You see? And so for us as followers of Jesus, there is some content that we need to know. The content is the Word of God. Mm-hmm. And, and you, you, you never outgrow your need to study the content. Mm-hmm. That's part of the lifelong process is, is continually growing in the knowledge of the Word. Amen. And you've been there, Trey, like me. I mean, oh, over the yeah. course of years, you think you know it all, but then you realize you don't really know much at all. Oh, isn't that funny? The more yeah. you know, the the more the, the less you think you know. Yeah, it's, I mean, I, you know, I you're like me. You read through your Bible every single year. I try to read through my Bible every single year, mm-hmm. and it's amazing. Mm. Just every year, how God reveals something in that Why time of the I Lord. I've never seen this before. Right? You know, you go. Or you hear a, 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 a you know a good Bible preacher, and he brings an insight. I mean, mm-hmm. we're always growing our knowledge, and we need that. We mm-hmm. need that constant growth in the knowledge of God, and that's part of being a disciple. That's what a first century disciple would have done. He would have learned from his rabbi. He would have had some content, some knowledge that he was always gaining from his rabbi. And it's no different for us. It's mm-hmm. not a hobby. It's not an extracurricular, extracurricular activity. We are constant learners, gaining the knowledge of God as we study his word, both individually and within the faith family. So as a disciple, is it something that we do ourselves? Is it something that we uh, other people help us? How, how does that work? Yeah, we've already talked about that, haven't we, Trey? We've said that the, we, we grow best in community. Okay. So we have personal responsibility. We always have personal responsibility in our spiritual growth, but we grow best when we are connected to a Mm. body of believers who's helping us to understand Scripture, hold us accountable for our understanding of Scripture. The individual responsibility is, yes, you got to get up every day and have time with the Lord and all those kind of things, but you also need the church pouring into you as well. It's a both and, isn't it? Yeah, I agree. I agree. I, I just know that some people think they do it alone. And yeah, I, I think that never goes too being, well, does me it? Me being the connections pastor, I always have to put that in that it, it does work better. Yeah, when, when you do it by yourself, it usually stunts your growth a little bit, doesn't it? Amen, amen. Yeah. Uh, well, number two, not only is it about growing in knowledge, and I think that's where most people think discipleship stops. So yeah. I know a lot; I'm not ignorant anymore, and and uh, some of that's pride. Yeah, and I used to be there, so I know. Uh, but second thing is this: we also grow in character. Yeah, so that's the thing. You, you think about how most of us were brought up. When we go to school, it is it is knowledge based. When we go take a class, yeah. we're wanting some knowledge. Yes, of course. When we when we you we know we pay for that knowledge. We pay for that knowledge, and that knowledge you know knowledge is a good thing. But but the Christian walk is about more than gaining some knowledge. Mm. There's a purpose behind the knowledge. We gain knowledge so that our lives might be transformed to look more like. Jesus himself. Mm -hmm. And so, so, you know, we think about knowledge. We think about, okay, I got to go to Sunday school so I can learn more. I got to go to some Bible studies so I can increase my Bible knowledge. I need to go to a a prophecy seminar so I can figure out the end times and I need to, you know, learn all these things and all that stuff's good. But the goal of the Christian life isn't just to have more knowledge. The goal of the Christian life is to be transformed to the image of Christ so you might accomplish his work Mm -hmm. on this earth. And so, so it's not only growing in knowledge, it's growing in character. So, 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 so there's this, this um, inward character that we want to develop, the fruit of the Spirit. Paul mm-hmm. talks about this. Mm-hmm. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, self-control, faithfulness, gentleness. I mean, those are the things that we're after. And as we grow in the knowledge of the Lord and as we open ourselves up to the work of His Spirit in our lives, man, He does. He grows us in the fruit. We should never be content with just gaining knowledge. Mm-hmm. We want knowledge 
that leads us to grow in character, that we become the people that Jesus wants us to be. I think it's the character that keeps our knowledge from puffing us up. Right. That's exactly what, what Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 8, yeah. verse 1, that yeah. knowledge puffs up, mm-hmm. but love. And love is one of those fruit of the Spirit, isn't it? Yes, it is. Love builds up. Mm, you can have a lot of knowledge, and, and the result of having a lot of knowledge is that you look around at everybody else and say, man, you're nowhere near as smart as I am. Mm-hmm. If you knew as much as I did, you'd be better off. That No. Knowledge can puff us up if yeah. we're not careful. But yeah. love, when knowledge is partnered with the fruit of the Spirit, man, watch out. Wow. Yeah, that's And great. isn't that, I, you know, I think especially during this time of pandemic, mm-hmm. when there's so much going around and so much, you know, there's such a lack of kindness, if you will. Yeah, I agree. Wow, it's uh, tough. Man, what, what would it look like if we would focus on not just growing in knowledge, but growing in the fruit of the Spirit, the character of Christ and how that can have an impact on our world if we would just determine to live out the fruit of the Spirit. Amen. Good stuff. Jesus would be a good, a good example of that. Absolutely. Amen. Absolutely. That leads us to number three. Not only is it about growing in uh, our knowledge and our character, but also number three, grow in your calling. Yeah. So you think about ancient Israel again. If you were studying under a rabbi, the primary reason you studied under a rabbi as one of his disciples in that intimate circle where you followed him around, you lived with him, you dined with him, you, wherever he, that rabbi was, you were part of the reason why you did that was because ultimately you wanted to do what? You wanted to be a rabbi yourself. Exactly. You wanted to have the opportunity to pour into the lives mm-hmm. of others, the knowledge and experience that you had gained from sitting under a rabbi. You wanted to be a rabbi. So, so we sit under the feet of Jesus. We sit under the leadership of godly teachers who might be discipling us so that as Christ grows us, mm-hmm. we can participate in his mission. We can invest in the next generation. Mm-hmm. Uh, Go ahead. I, I was just going to say about the spiritual family and, yeah. and how we're spiritual parents. You always talk about that when right, you connect right, right. to Northwood. Right. That's what we do. Right. That, that ultimately, that's what we want. We want to see people becoming spiritual parents where you're not only responsible for your faith, mm-hmm. but you take responsibility for the faith of somebody else. Amen. What we mean by that is that, that you're going to treat someone in your life as someone that, you know, you're really going to help them grow, to Amen. grow up, to become the person that God wants them to be. I've said this before too, Trey. You've heard me say this, that, that the reason why God extended grace to you is so that through you, he might extend grace to someone else. Amen. That's exactly right. The gospel came to you. Yes. So, go keep, so we keep on moving. Amen. Through you to somebody else. And so we, we, we've got to grow in that knowledge. And we've got to grow in character. We also have to grow in the calling that God has placed on our lives to make disciples. And just think, here we are in this pandemic. The mission, it still goes forward. Mm-hmm. The mission to be a disciple never stops in your life. It never stops. And, and the, the mission to make disciples never stops. And so in this season of pandemic, you want to make the most of your church, be a better disciple. Amen. Know that discipleship, it, it is not an extracurricular activity. It's not a hobby. It's a lifestyle that says, I am devoted to my rabbi. I'm devoted to my Jesus. I'm putting myself under his feet and I'm going to learn. I'm going to grow mm-hmm. so that I can be about his work. Amen. So as, as we close out just a few minutes here, you know, being a disciple is is different for a lot of Christians. Mm-hmm. And even in our own church, we have a very few people comparatively to the entire membership who are disciples. So where should someone start? Where do we yeah. start if we're going to be a disciple? And where do we start if we were going to disciple people? Yeah. 
we start one with understanding the calling on our lives. Okay. Your calling isn't to be a Sunday morning only attender when you feel like showing up. Mm-hmm. The calling Jesus has placed on your life is to be a disciple. And so for many of us, it's, it's, it's making that commitment. Okay. I'm going to devote myself. It's going to take time. It's a long obedience in the same direction. It's going mm-hmm. to take time. But I am devoting myself to my master, to my rabbi Jesus, and I'm going to let him make me into the person he wants me to be. And for, for the practical step is to get involved in a discipleship group. that We have those here at Northwood yes. where we go through a, about a year, year and a half process of helping you mm-hmm. to, I guess a, a better word would be to jumpstart the discipleship yeah, process. Because, because the discipleship process is a lifelong process. But we help you jumpstart that, give you some tools that you need, help you to begin growing your faith so that you can help other people grow in their faith. That's probably the best way here to get started is by being one of our discipleship groups and you can always contact us uh, you can contact our discipleship pastor logan logan at northwoodbaptist.com he'd love to help you with that um, but that's our process every church is every church has a different process mm-hmm. and if you're listening and you go to another church ask your pastor yeah ask one of your pastors what is the process at our church for growing as a disciple who makes disciples and get involved in that process amen well pastor tommy this has been great to hear about what it means to be a disciple I have learned some things today, and I appreciate it. Oh, well, there you go. Good. And uh, why don't you close us out? Yeah, well, we we do hope this has been helpful for you. We hope that you've been encouraged, and if this has encouraged you, go ahead and share this podcast with a friend. We do hope that you will uh, subscribe to our podcast so that you can have new content delivered to your device every single week. Leave us a five-star review. That's always really helpful. And we hope that, as always, this episode has helped you connect faith to life.